welcome to my podcast. This is your host, Ray Lloyd, and this is All The Things. I am really excited for this episode. This is the third episode of my nervous system series. The first episode was just explaining exactly what the nervous system is, why does it matter, how does it play such a massive part in your everyday life. Then the second episode, I talked about how trauma affects the nervous system. And today, I am going to take that one step further and dial into how trauma takes a part in your body, right? Like we talked about in episode two, and then plays a part specifically with your relationship with food and then deeper into eating disorders, disordered eating, binge eating. I'm not going to get into the specifics of the different eating disorders. I'm not an eating disorder specialist. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical provider. That's my legal disclaimer here. This is all just based on experience and understanding the nervous system, how trauma plays a part in this, my own life, living life, and um, research. So take that and take this episode through the lens that it is intended and how I am giving over this information. So whether you have a diagnosed disorder or an odd relationship with food, we could just leave it at that, or know someone who does or think that you might or wonder why you do certain things with food or feel like you are stuck in the diet cycle, you've lost a bunch of weight, you keep putting it back on, you're not sure what's going on, you have autoimmunity, so it's playing a part in your weight, and then you want to lose the weight, but every time you try, you get into that restrict cycle, you start to binge again, or whatever the case may be, whatever that looks like for you. There's a lot of things to unpack here. And we're not going to unpack all of it. Like I said, I'm not going to get into the specifics of each disorder and all of that. But what I will do is help you understand the relationship between the nervous system, your relationship with food, dopamine, and I'm going to try to keep this as short and sweet as possible because this is a very complicated, very sensitive topic. And then, of course, I will end off in the last episode, episode four of this series, which will obviously not be episode four in the whole podcast, but the fourth episode of this series will discuss methods and ways to help calm your nervous system, keep yourself regulated so that the behaviors and the different things that are playing a part in your life that is causing that you know dysregulation and then causing it to play out within your body and your behaviors can then hopefully start to heal. So... The fact that I want to present to you today is that the neurotransmitter dopamine is involved in food cravings, decision making, executive functioning, and impulsivity. So let's give a very simplified uh, description of what binge eating is. And like I said, I'm not going to get into the specifics of each different thing, but understanding binge eating could then you then apply it to what it is that you're suffering with okay so it's really really important not to confuse binge eating with overeating there are people you might be one yourself who will sit down to a thanksgiving meal or eat at a restaurant for a birthday and there's just so many delicious delicious things on the table so many different recipes you made that you want to try or there's just 
a lot of variety and you want to try it all and you have a bite of everything or you have a plate of desserts or you have extras because it's just it's there and whatever the case may be and you overate and now your stomach hurts and you're like okay gosh you know I'll feel better tomorrow but it doesn't come from this emotional psychological shame cycle um you didn't overeat because of anything other than the cake was there and you really thought having a second slice sounded like a good idea it wasn't spurred on by anything else other than that and so you overeat and now your stomach hurts and you move on with your life that's not binge eating binge eating starts with an intense craving like a craving you cannot shake a craving you cannot ignore and when it happens many times it is in large portions so people confuse it with overeating but sometimes it's not in large portions. Everyone's binge eating looks different. But many times, most times, it's done in a short period of time. Um, and the feeling that is during the binge is a very out-of-control feeling. It's You can't talk yourself off a ledge here. It's You have to feed it in order for the feeling to go away. And one of the main ways that you know it was a binge is because after you feel a lot of shame and guilt. Um, you feel really disgusted with yourself. You feel just so disappointed and it, it's, it leads to some really intense, really yucky feelings. A lot of times binges are also happening in private. They're hidden. You're, you know, driving to the restaurant, buying it with cash so no one knows, eating it quickly hidden in your car, coming into the house and not talking about it, like pretending it never happens. So there's a lot of shame and obviously a lot of nervous system dysregulation happening around it. Where in overeating, like I said before, you're doing it at the table. Everyone's there. It's Thanksgiving dinner. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm eating this other piece of pie because like it's just so good. Like everyone's there watching it. You know, a binge generally would not happen like that. It's so deeply ingrained in shame that it's gonna happen hidden in a closet planned out you know you see that piece of pie you hide it for later you take it when everyone's sleeping kind of thing so according to studies dopamine is believed to play a critical role in binge eating and other eating disorders and the findings of these studies showed an altered dopamine state during binge eating, for example. They found in six control studies that there was reported decreased dopamine levels, reduced dopamine activities, and lower dopamine receptor availability in the people within that study who have binge eating disorders um, or other eating disorders they were doing they were looking at bulimia and binge eating in these specific studies that I was looking at um, when compared to those without it so another study showed that people with binge eating disorder had a blunted response to taste stimuli in comparison to people without when they were presented with an unconditioned taste stimuli these people without the binge eating disorders their dopamine levels increased where the people who had binge eating disorder um, did not have the same. They had a blunted response. So the outcome of these multiple studies that I was reading about showed that 83.9% of the people in the study with binge eating disorder or bulimia had a documented altered dopamine state. And this influences the reward system. It influences dopamine function. Um, and a lot of these people, if not all of these people, 
um, many times have a history of like psychiatric diseases. Um, they have a history of restrictive chronic dieting. They don't recognize hunger and satiety. And I'm planning on doing a completely separate episode specifically about intuitive eating. So definitely stay tuned for that. It will probably be the episode after healing the nervous system. So definitely something to look out for. Um, but I feel like it's just too much information to shove all into one episode. And uh, I want you to all be able to focus and really understand what it is that I'm saying in these each individualized episodes. So hopefully that will come out soon. Um, but a lot of these people have a history. And this is where I really want you to hear this. We talked about this last week, right? How trauma affects the body. Well, in these studies that show that people have reduced dopamine and a nervous system dysregulation that's in relation to a eating disorder or disordered eating have a history of child abuse, PTSD, and depression. And this research shows that someone with CPTSD, um, a history of emotional, physical, and or sexual abuse is twice as likely to develop food issues in comparison to someone without it. And remember, um, let's like get into like the depth of like the actual, like where does it come from? So remember when in the last episode, I talked about the polyvagal state and, um, you know, the different, the different states that you can be in when you are like, okay. And then when you start to get triggered right so you have the ventral vagal um so that's where you're feeling playful you're feeling connected you're feeling present you're feeling safe right that's where none of your eating issues are going to show up but then when you get into sympathetic this is again not all the way down to dorsal sympathetic is that immediate reaction to stress but it's a big deal (laughs) because it affects stress affects every organ in your body now why think about it this way because If you're under attack, right, like back in the day when you were, you know, living in huts or whatever and a neighboring group of people came and attacked to try to get your food or steal, I don't know, fur or whatever, um, your body will prepare for that, right? And it's not going to waste time and energy, well, time, (laughs) it's not going to waste, I guess, energy um, on things like that are considered extra, like digestion, um, growing hair, um, stuff like that. Like you'll notice that when you have high stress, a lot of people notice that their hair starts to fall out. That's why. And um, it will instead do things like increase your heart rate, increase your breathing, raise your blood sugar. And all of that is done on purpose to prepare you to fight. And then you're supposed to be able to, after the fight, calm yourself down and move back up to ventral. But the problem is that when you have trauma, you can get stuck in these states. And when you are in a place of like getting ready to fight, it will make you feel frenzied, chaotic, overwhelmed, anxious, all of those things. Now, the last one in the polyvagal theory is dorsal, like we discussed last episode, and that's complete shutdown. So that is when your nervous system believes that you're in a life-threatening situation and it's going to do one of two things to keep you alive, right? Or Rather, it's going to do one thing to keep you alive, which then can present as two different things. So it's going to help have you stay very still. Now, immobilization can either look like one, state of collapse, or two, freeze. And in this state, you're going to feel stuck. You're going to feel like you're unable to take action, lethargic, despondent, hopeless, 
And one of the biggest indicators of being here is shame. And when you're chronically stuck in sympathetic, going into dorsal, back up to sympathetic, or just stuck in dorsal, your body's going to have impaired digestive function um, because it doesn't focus on those kinds of things when it feels like it's forever fighting this danger that doesn't exist right now, right? It did at one point, but now you're just stuck there. And um, you're going to notice things like you might heal slower because it's not focusing on physical recovery when you're stuck in this state. And you're going to have um, issues with like mental function, the ability to connect with others, um, cognitive abilities, things like that. And we talked about that in depth last episode. So let's move on. So Dr. Porges, who is the doctor who created the polyvagal theory, he said, an eating disorder replaces social behavior as a primary regulator of the nervous system. So he believes that things like drinking, restricting your food, binging on food are ways that people are trying to regulate their nervous system and feel safe. Now, obviously, these are not healthy, you know, coping mechanisms, but it's a coping mechanism. And an eating disorder can surface because of trauma that occurred during an already vulnerable nervous system state. Remember, we talked about that with last episode with autoimmune diseases that two people can go through the same exact thing. One person comes out with an autoimmune disease and the other one doesn't. And that's because the person with an autoimmune disease was already in a vulnerable nervous system state when that trauma occurred, which then led Obviously, not such a simple thing, but it led to the events that turned into an autoimmune response. Same with an eating disorder. Two people can go through the same exact thing. If one person was in a ventral state when that thing happened, they're going to recover a lot faster and a lot healthier than someone who was already in a vulnerable nervous system state, then goes through trauma and comes out with an eating disorder. So, Keep in mind also, and I found this to be so fascinating, that the act of eating uses the same neural platform as the ventral vagal does. So when someone is in sympathetic, their eating disorder can look like obsessive thoughts about food, food rules, binging, excessive exercise, purging, and other honestly self-harming behaviors. But again, think about it when I, what I said before, that the act of eating uses the same neural platform as the ventral vagal. So people are just trying, they're using these coping mechanisms, it's actually genius of the body, to try to get back to a ventral state. It's not getting them back there, but in the moment it feels like they are. So it's helping them feel safe, it's helping them feel more regulated but in the long run it's hurting them and that's that's the problem that's the hard part of breaking out of it because you feel safe in the moment and then you have to start to recognize that it's actually hurting you and that can probably be one of the hardest parts of the whole recovery system with that so someone in dorsal when they have been you know suffering with their eating disorder and they've now moved down into dorsal they're gonna have bad digestion. They're going to have symptoms like IBS. Um, and many times they'll turn to even more extreme measures than before to control things around food. And many times the feeling around it is a desire to disappear, to be smaller. And that's not really just physical. It's really emotional, but it's, it's translating into a physical thing that they're doing. Now, like I said, this is a short-term 
way to try to regulate the nervous system and provide a sense of safety. But in the long term, it's very harmful. And in episode four, I am going to discuss healing and in particular, you know, for someone who is suffering from an eating disorder, um, we'll get into this. But the goal is to, in their healing, from a polyvagal lens, would be to reconnect with the body and develop the ability to move up and down the polyvagal ladder so that you don't get stuck in dorsal vagal state or a fight or flight loop. Meaning, the way that right now someone who's stuck in dorsal or sympathetic is using food to feel that feeling of safety that one does when they're in ventral, the goal would be to connect with the body and be able to do that for real, right? To be able to feel connected and safe inside your body, not to dissociate and play into this dysregulated nervous system and try to feel those feelings of safety through a way that is actually self-harm. So the problem with specifically with food and the dysregulation of the nervous system is that in someone who is chronically dieting or doing different things to try to lose weight is the diet industry, honestly, in, in all in all honesty here, um, and I actually did a live on Facebook about this recently, is that they have literally zero understanding of this. If they don't understand trauma, remember I talked about how like teachers and people within society have no trauma knowledge. They're not trauma informed. And so they have no idea that when someone's doing something, it's because of a dysregulated nervous system. It's not about having you know, stronger willpower has literally nothing to do with that. So the diet industry is just going to teach you how to count points or to eat keto or to cut out entire food groups. Um, But they're not addressing the underlying trauma. They're not doing anything about the root cause. They're not offering a permanent solution to you know, if someone wants to lose weight, like I would never tell them not to, especially if it's being done in a in a healthy way that's leading to lifestyle change and long-term habit change. And that's where you have to understand the nervous system because nothing permanent will ever happen without the nervous system. Um, but people get stuck in that diet cycle because they're constantly struggling with food, then restricting food, then the restriction causes binging. They shut off their satiety and hunger cues and then they're just struggling with this for the rest of their life. And the honest truth when someone is having issues with weight gain and binging and different eating disorder-like behaviors is your struggles have very little to do with the food and a lot more to do with the fact that this is your coping skill and you have a dysregulated nervous system. And your binging is neurological. It is rooted in your nervous system response to stress. So I guess if you don't want to heal, you're just going to have to avoid stress for the rest of your life. And that's physically impossible, especially in today's day and age. So if you understand that childhood trauma changes a child's developing brain, like permanently, it changes your brain. So when you like when that child had that fight or flight response, which was a very normal thing to have when they went through that trauma, right? If they didn't go into that fight or flight response that would be odd like no one stays in a ventral state when they're going through something terrible right when you go through that trauma it's normal to go into fight or flight it's normal to 
hit um, that 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 place where the amygdala is reacting. The problem is, is that when it's done with a child before their brain is finished developing, that amygdala response is intensified. And an overreactive or, you know, amygdala will make you hypersensitive to stress. So someone who is has a dysregulated nervous system who went through CPTSD and trauma and all that kind of stuff as a child, they're reacting hypersensitively to stuff that to someone who's inventional, they're like, okay, whatever, it's not a big deal. But to people who have gone through this kind of stuff and have a hypersensitive amygdala, it's a very big deal. Even little things feel like a very big deal. So, you know, like we talked about, when you are now triggered as an adult, your body and emotions become dysregulated and you feel overwhelmed and unstable. So grabbing a handful of M&Ms, you know, eating a ton of cookies, hiding and eating candy is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of you trying to calm your dysregulated body and emotions. So as an effect of the trauma, your brain is now conditioned to be on alert for perceived danger because I mean that danger might still exist but it very likely doesn't you're an adult now you're you know you have a lot more um you're a lot safer than you were maybe as a child and so maybe it's perceived danger and like that being said because your brain is on such high alert all the time it takes very little to trigger your nervous system so you're constantly feeling dysregulated so turning to food to ground yourself in all honesty, is resourceful of your brain. It's not weak. I want you to listen really, really, really carefully when I say this. And I kind of feel like I want to cry right now when I'm saying this because I have suffered with things that I'm not talking about at this moment. Um, haven't posted about it. I don't want to right now. But, you know, we've all gone through stuff and we all have our coping skills. And I'll just leave it at that. But I want you to listen. If this is something you suffer with, it is not your fault. Like I said in the previous episode with the Goodwill Hunting movie, or did I say that in my Facebook Live? I don't even remember now, but it is not your fault. Remember, your nervous system cannot tell the difference between an imagined experience and a real experience. So you could be imagining. And not to say like you're crazy, you know, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying like your nervous system, your brain is like reacting to things that aren't even a threat right now, but your body thinks it's real. And so the unfortunate cycle is that chronic stress triggers the release of cortisol and excess cortisol production causes weight gain. (laughs) So it's like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't at this point, right? And Cortisol affects your metabolism and it signals your body to store fat. And this is why stress causes your causes you to crave sweet, salty, and fatty foods. Of course, the things that are like excess in calories. Especially in today's day and age when like half our food is just GMO and trans fats and inflammatory foods and it's just gotten worse over time. And when you're, you know, stuck with this high cortisol and these cortisol spikings it also raises insulin and lowers your blood sugar so when you're in this state you know you're it's causing you to gain weight and then you want to lose you go on a diet and then you start to binge again and 
when your nervous system gets dis- dysregulated. And that's why you could be doing like so, so good, quote unquote. I don't like when we say we're good or bad or food is good or bad, but I just want to speak your language right now. You know, we're doing so good. I was doing so good on your, on my quote unquote diet, which I don't like that word either. But again, speaking your language and you're like, I don't understand what happened. Like it's just this little nothing happened. I don't understand why I'm suddenly like doing, you know, eating these things or binging on these things or having these food issues again, food rules, right? And it's because it is soothing, and numbing to eat a container of Nutella, to to eat a sleeve of Oreos, to finish the bag of marshmallows, to eat a pie of pizza, like whatever your thing is, it's soothing to the nervous system. It's getting you back into ventral for the moment. You're not really in ventral, but you're feeling like it. Your nervous system's just using it as a coping skill. And the only way to heal is to learn how to not use it as a coping skill. Food should be an amazing experience it should you should be able to have food freedom you should be able to recognize hunger and satiety you should know when you feel full you should be able to have other coping skills in place so that food is just an experience food is just what it was intended to be and not being used as a coping skill which then makes you feel guilty and shame when all you were trying to do was feed your body and as we end off, it's important to remember, like, these behaviors are caused by a dysregulation. It is caused by an overactive amygdala, chronic stress, PTSD, trauma, right? It's not because you're lazy. It's not because you didn't have enough willpower. It's not because you're, you know, why wasn't strong enough. I literally hate when people say that. Is it important to have a strong why for doing whatever it is that you're doing? Sure. But in the moment, you know, when you're binging, you're not thinking like, well, you know, I really wanted to fit into that skirt. Like, no, you're completely dissociated. You're completely dysregulated. And it's not because you didn't try hard enough, right? It's, it's literally due to things that happened and the coping skills that your nervous system grabbed onto. And I really, really want to encourage you to release the shame and guilt around this because it's literally not yours to bear. It's too heavy to carry. Like, let's put that down. The guilt is not serving you. This is not your fault. Okay? So now that you understand all of this, in the next episode, I am going to talk about how to heal the nervous system and heal your behaviors around food. And I'm really excited for all of us to start to practice these things. And many of them I already do, um, but I'm really, I'm really excited. I think that this could be the key to a lot of your freedom within your bodies and your lives and your relationships with food. And then I promise I will do an episode about intuitive eating. But I also want you to know that it's very normal to feel dysregulated sometimes, especially if you're a survivor from trauma. It's little tiny steps to get better. This is not going to immediately one day you're just like, oh my God, (laughs) I did a deep breathing exercise and I am freaking healed. I'm like the queen of calm right now. Like, no, you're going to notice little moments where you can be in the moment. You can be in your body. You can feel safe doing other things other than your coping skills that aren't serving you over time and repetition, your brain will learn. So please don't think that like, oh, Ray said, if I start to do these healing things in the next episode, then I'm just going to be magically cured. Mm -mm. But if the only thing you do after today's episode is release shame around the behaviors that are happening and understand that it's all in relation to a dysregulation, then I did my job. You are safe and you are loved. 
Thank you for listening. I hope that you loved today's episode. Please do the following things. Share this all over your social media. Subscribe to my podcast and leave me a five-star rating. Till next time.